This is Peter. And this is Tom. And you're listening to History Teachers Talking Podcasts. All right, this is Peter Zablocki and Thomas Resca. Welcome back to the show. Uh, today we have, by popular demand, Mr. Daniel Gnellish joining us again. Welcome, Dan. Hello, hello. Thanks for having me back. Oh, any time, any time. Fellow history teacher, come on. So today we're going to talk about something that's actually very, very dear to me. I don't know if yeah, you, you were, guys knew it. Yeah, you were way too excited about this one, Pete. I was. Well, so today, today we're talking about the Chernobyl. I don't know why I'm laughing and smiling. This isn't funny. We're talking about no. the Chernobyl um, nuclear disaster. But it is kind of dear to me in a sense because when Chernobyl happened, I was a little Polish boy. Yes, I was four years old. And I lived in Poland at the time which was about 600, 700. My, my city was about six, 700 miles away from Chernobyl. And the Chernobyl nuclear cloud went right over my country and yes, my yeah. city. Yeah, it was crazy, right, Pete, because it, well, you were over 600 miles away, but you're still in range. Like, think about yes. that. 600 yeah. miles away, and you're still in the contaminated, the contaminated zone, basically. Absolutely. And you know what's, what, what's crazy is that I... Again, I'm four, so I vaguely, if at all, my memories are probably from my parents telling me more so than me remembering it. But they actually, um, once you know the news came out of this, we were all called over and everyone had to go to like an emergency room. And they shot us up with iodine. So I was shot up with KI, potassium iodine, as a four-year-old to counter radiation, to kind of try to protect my thyroid. Um, and therefore, I can never give blood in this country in the united states because i was technically part of the whole chernobyl thing so you're basically poisoned oh my god right i kind of glow at night but like i don't tell anybody <laughs> you're, you're poisoned then you're like you're like yeah <laughs> so anyway so that's why i was excited about this episode because like i you know i i lived it i lived it how right? else does it affect you do you have to has the iodine and stuff so the thing about the iodine is that every make you positive every... for test or something for certain things well, yeah. So you know how when you become a teacher, you have to test for a, a TB. You have to take a TB shot yeah. for tuberculosis. Mm -hmm. Because of supposedly because of what they shot me up with, I always come out positive on the TB <laughs> test. No, I'm serious. So like when I was going to school here in the United States, um, when we immigrated, you know, like elementary school, and every time I switched over schools to middle school and high school, um, they try to give me the TB test, and they're like, "Oh my, oh my God, you have tuberculosis," and I'm like, "No, I, I don't. Like, I, I really don't. I." So I always have to get a chest x-ray, especially when I became a teacher. Same thing. Like I had to prove that I don't have tuberculosis. And that's supposedly um, most of the Eastern European children because of um, the shots that we got after Chernobyl. <laughs> don't so worry. Anyway, not, so, not TB, just radiation. Just radiation. I know. It's <laughs> kind of scary. Yeah. And like researching this stuff. And I'm like, oh, man, this isn't good. You know? But, um, no, but anyway, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about Chernobyl, guys. All right. Sounds... First of all, I just want to point out, I don't know about you guys, but I am not in any way, shape, or form into like physics. Yeah, there's a lot really... of physics talk with this. A lot of the uh... yes, yeah. Are you going to explain the uranium and the uh, the, the all the uh, the, the nuclear? Yeah, all that. So all, I tried to yeah. really, I really tried to dumb it down the best I could. I mean, my physics teacher in high school literally thought he was abducted by aliens, and <laughs> I'm not kidding. He was actually told not to talk about it. So naturally, that's all we did is we tried to talk about it so we could get good grades and then his good graces. But 
So yeah, and I'm not so good at. It. I mean, any, anybody want to take a shot? Because I kind of dumbed it down for myself in my notes, so I could give it a shot with the whole. Hey, yeah, what that's what I basically here? did too. We we don't want to like get into like. We, well, some of the physics were basically what caused a disaster. But really, I yeah. think well, as as we talk about it, one thing that everyone has to keep in mind is you have to remember too, like the Cold War is going on at this point. Yep. And that's one reason why this disaster was so bad. The United States had their nuclear reactors, and we had a little incident too. That in Three Mile Island, um, nowhere yeah. near this. Okay, this was a no. level seven. This was a level seven um, uh, disaster. nuclear disaster, yeah. basically, yeah. Uh, that released more radiation than even Hiroshima. Yeah, like and they so, say, the cloud yeah. was so like we, hundred. Yeah, I know, I think radioactive. Yeah, radioactive cloud. Radioactive cloud from the um, explosion was equivalent to four hundred Hiroshima atomic yeah. bomb. Explosions. The isotopes were the isotopes that escaped were huge, but because of the Cold War going on, the Soviets didn't want to look bad. So that's one reason why they didn't tell anybody about it. And we'll get to that, I know. But they're tra- yeah. they tried covering it up. They also, and really it was there. this is going to sound pro-American, but, you know, we're pro-American. Yeah. Uh, it's just, they just didn't have the technology and they tried to keep up with what the West was doing. And to do that, they didn't have the safety precautions of the West. And you saw this in their, um, in their nuclear subs too. I'm sure you saw the movie yeah. or read the book, uh, K-19, The Widowmaker. Yeah, that's what I kept on thinking with this because it was the same thing. They just didn't have the safeguards in place. Oh, nothing bad is going to happen. Nothing bad is going to happen. No, you're messing with nuclear power. Something bad can very easily happen. And yeah. really, because they weren't prepared or because they weren't taking every precaution or had every scenario planned out of what, what to do, that's really why this happened. It wasn't just one reason. It was a combination. And a lot of times the U.S. the U.S. or the Western nuclear power plants had a bunch of different fail safes that you'd have to have all these fail safes fall apart and fail before something to happen. The Soviets yeah. ones, the Soviets didn't have that. They had, well, one fail up, I guess we're in trouble. You know, they just didn't yeah. really think that far ahead or they didn't really care. They just wanted to get the, the nuclear power plant up and running. Yep. So I think the way we're going to break this down today, let's just kind of go over the background of like what actually happened and then, you know, talk about the explosion and kind of the lead up to it. And then we'll talk about the cover up that you just mentioned and then after the cover-up, we'll talk about um, the containment and the aftermath, you know, effects, environment, animals, people, so on and so forth. So background and the explosion, the cover-up, and then the aftermath. Simple as that, right? Sounds good. Um, so kind of going nice. chronological so, order here. Yep. So, um, Dan, you got anything for, like, what happened here? You want to try to give it a stab? or? Uh... Yeah. So the Soviet Union was kind of going through this time of stagnation. Uh with Brezhnev and then Gorbachev is coming in and like Tom was saying, the Soviet Union's trying to trying to look good and make sure that, you know, these these reactors and um the cities and this is kind of like a big statement for the Soviet Union that they have these these nuclear uh reactors and this you know, this is where their energy's coming from, is this this powerful place. And they're trying to do a um a test to see um would these nuclear reactors be able to handle low power or if there was a i guess a a power problem at the plant yeah yeah so um from what i read is that they started this test and they started you know turning off parts of the reactor uh to see how it would react with with low power um and then from what i heard though is this was taking a long time so they literally had like basically a b team come in for like the second shift overlooking it um and just one or two mistakes, you guys might know a little bit more about that, but um, it kind of sent it to a kind of like a point of no return where the um, the reactor started going into meltdown mode. I guess they have 
Um, they use graphite to kind of control the intensity of the um, the, the new, yeah the, yep. yeah the new, yeah whatever's going on in there to create yep. the energy and um, I guess it got to a point where it just couldn't stop heating up or powering and um, was, yeah what it basically was I'm sorry to interrupt they, it, yeah, it all okay. worked they they heated these rods up. And then they would put the rods in water, basically, and that would boil the water, and that would turn these turbines, and that would produce the power. What mm-hmm. happened with the graphite is that it, the material that they made out of the graphite was not – it worked, but it only worked so well. Yeah. And the problem mm-hmm. was when you – it didn't cool instantly. That was the main problem. When they went back into like the storage, when they went back into mm-hmm. the, um, the pods, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. So I remember watching the Chernobyl uh, – HBO did that special. And they, they oh, did you really, see that? I never yeah, I saw it, but everyone yeah, says I watched it. It, 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 was, it was really good. good. And I remember watching that and about this. And what happened was when they placed the rods and they're supposed to cool instantly, the graphite rods didn't. They held, they held on. That was a major difference between like Western power plants and the Soviet power plants was the graphite rods. I'm not getting into the whole physics of it, but when yeah. they placed the rod inside of the, um, the cooling water, it didn't cool down the way. So when it went into the rod, it was still hot. And I'm, t- mm-hmm. I'm not talking like it's just like warm to the touch. It's still like it would melt anything. And that causes yeah. a, a steam explosion, which is what sets off this reactor. Kind of like what Dan was saying, because they had these, this B team come on and they really weren't prepared yeah. for this. And they were looking through manuals. They physically had manuals out and there was nothing to do because the power dipped so low. Um, it was like a test to see how low they could dip it and see if like the backup power would kick in. Yeah. And they had manuals out and they didn't know what they were doing. And the supervisor was like, well, what are you doing? You have to do this test. And they're like, we don't know how to do this test. No one knows how to do this test. It's not in the manual. It's just like reduced the power even further. So it just kept on going. So it was that human error, but it was also a functioning error that they didn't know. But actually they did know about. It was told to them that these that using graphite has this, this problem could occur, but they just didn't think it would ever occur because they didn't think the power would ever go to zero. Not knowing, again, you have this B team there. They let the power go to zero, and there you go. Yeah, yeah I also kind heard the – the the fact that you know because it is a the Soviet Union and the amount of bureaucracy that comes with having you know that type of government that people weren't really just going to step in and just take initiative and make all these big changes in the moment they needed to wait for the higher ups to tell them what to do and how to handle this problem and there's a lot of like there was so much government and bureaucracy involved that well, responding to, to it. Yeah. They had that pressure. If they decided not to do it, why didn't you do this? And they're going to lose their job. They're, something's going to happen to them. They didn't have that. That's a, a major difference. Like, that's a great point, Dan, with the whole capitalism versus communism argument. You have that Western yeah. idea. They kind of will think for themselves a little bit more, right? You know, talking yeah. about sociology, yeah. the whole idea of free will, right? Or you're going to, yeah. that moral, that the moralness that you're going to like do the right thing no matter what. I'm not saying this, people in Russia don't have morals, but in like this type of structure, they're just going to do what they're told. They're not going to deviate. Of course. I mean, you'd be punished. I mean, there's no question about it. You would definitely be punished. I mean, you know, my father would tell me when he was in school and under communist rule in Poland, they would literally teach him. This is, you know, in the fifties and sixties, they would teach him to go home and basically spy on his parents. Like, you know, if you hear anything, you know, spoken against the state, please report it to your teacher, like insane stuff. So there's obviously that fear in here and you guys explained this a lot better than i could by the way i mean i i really like dumbed this down um but uh yeah so i don't want to like kind of reiterate but 
So th- th- ultimately, this explosion happens. Let's go from the explosion. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. Explosion happens. And just kind of one point is what they're trying to do. They were trying to create a test, as Dan said, to see what would happen if electricity uh, goes down at one of these four power plants, because there's four of them technically, four reactors. Yeah, this is reactor um, four. This is reactor Yes, this is reactor number four. It's in US one. And they're like, hey, you know what? We're just doing a test. What happens if the power goes out? Will it slow down the reactor? And and basically, while they were doing this test, they, they screwed up, right? And this leads to an explosion at 1.23 a.m. Um, on April, what day was it? April 26th. 6th? Yeah. So 27th, I guess now, right? So 26th, 27th, yeah. Yeah, the radiator overheats, um, the steam builds up, boom, it explodes, and it releases eight tons of radioactive debris into the air, right? Once this happens, uh, as you guys already mentioned, first of all, a lot of people now believe that what was worse than the actual reactor blown up was the cleanup. They said the cleanup itself was much deadlier than the original blast. That's what people got. I mean, I think three or four people died in the actual, like the steam explosion. Mm-hmm. Most of the people actually got out. It was then the cleanup because remember the Soviets are denying this at first. They're saying nothing's wrong, yeah. and it wasn't until the Swedish government was, was getting alerts from mo- like monitoring air, um, yeah. atomic energy, their atomic energy agency. That yeah, something they thought happened. something was wrong with theirs. Yeah, they're like, no, but wait a minute, the isotopes. Are, you can trace it somehow. You can trace like the the intensity of the radiation. They were able to trace back the source, like this tail, trace it all the way back to. Chernobyl, which is in the Ukraine, right? Uh, Priot, Priot, what's what's yep. the? Yeah, that's the town. It's right over there, and they kind of knew something was going on. And it's only then that the Soviets, we knew something was up too. We had like satellite, what's going on there? But they admit it was nothing, or maybe just a small little problem. Um, but they only considered that it was a minor problem at first. But then we started seeing um, or getting reports out they were evacuating more than hundred thousand people from the area. That's when the global community realized something big is going on here. Okay, this isn't just a small, the Soviet Union wouldn't be doing this unless it was a massive um, accident. Yeah. Because they're, they're just getting rid of everybody. And people were told, you leave everything. They left their pets. Yeah, they, but they, before, they, that ghost everything. Town. No, they were told, they were told you'd be back in approximately at most three days. Yeah. Right? But even before that happened, you know, first you have firemen to get on the scene. And, oh, yeah. you know, there's some interviews with some firemen. And there, one guy was like joking around at the time. Even he goes, oh, we're, this isn't probably good. This, this is a nuclear power plant. We're going to be dead soon. You know, it's just such an eerie thing for the guy to say. That was the guy. Um, Igentenko was his name, last name. Yep. Yep. And he wound up having severe radiation poisoning to the point where at his funeral, they had buried him in like a lead coffin. Oh. Wife said his body was so swollen, his legs, his arms, they were so swollen, deformed, he had no clothes that could fit him because they couldn't That's fit around insane. his body because of the, like just that radiation. It just, you know, the cells just burst basically. And it was a painful yeah. death apparently too. Who, whoever's listening to this, you, you got to go YouTube or check out some of the cleanup crew footage. Because it is just some of the most surreal footage. It looks like it's from a movie from a different dimension. It is, yeah, like a nuclear fallout, as if we did, like Terminator actually happened. Right. Nuts. So, twenty-eight workers and uh, firefighters died from just you know, like you say, radiation, acute radiation poisoning, trying to uh, clean this thing up. But the fire itself lasts for about total like fifteen days before it's finally put out. Right. There's close to like 500,000 personnel involved in trying to contain this. And as you mentioned, at first, no one says anything to the town, the people in the town that right next to it. 
And then it really took him like 36 hours be, like before the Soviets are like, all right, we got to start evacuating these people. There's 115,000 people that live nearby. And that's what Tom was saying. Like they got evacuated. But again, 36 hours later, and that's already when- And the whole time know, they're, they're soaking up radiation. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And actually you knew that already because uh, most of them started vomiting, started getting headaches. They actually started getting like acute- you know, poisoning, radiation poisoning um, within those 36 hours. And people are like, what the heck is going on, right? Um, They're coming home. They can't see. They're tasting like metal on their tongues. They're like, something's not right. Something's not right. And then finally, after like 36 hours, buses showed up. And as you said, the buses showed up and they're like, you know what? Everyone leave everything behind. Get on on this bus. We're going to be gone for top three days, you know, tops. Everything's going to be fine. Just get on the bus. And that's why this city... Um, you know, it's kind of left like a ghost it's, town. I mean, these eerie. people it's very eerie. Yeah, there was, like they would leave a kettle on, you know, on a stove. It was just like, right, like that. Back. There was an amusement park there, so you, yeah, you, that's the main thing that you would see, like the Ferris wheel, like the merry-go-round. Everything's just kind of frozen. Or just like some toys laying here and there, because uh, yep. they just were told to leave instantly, and they just weren't ready for something like this. And the whole thing too, remember, this is in the '80s, and they tried robots at first. They did try getting robots, yep. so they realized that the radiation was interfering with the electronics. Um, mm. They show that in the movie big time too, because I know they're all happy. Whole point is, supposedly, the Americans had a robot that probably would have worked a little bit better, but they refused to take it. But they did agree to take one from the Germans mm. later on. Like their robots, the Russian robots couldn't do anything. They wound up getting the German one, which kind of worked. They couldn't get too close. But most of the debris that was moved, only ten percent was ever moved by a robot. Yeah, a lot of it was on the. Uh... Was on the roof, right? On the roof, they had to get it off the roof in order to seal it. Yeah, it was crazy. I saw some footage of them trying to use like remote controls to like move these robots, and then, like you said, they they ended up breaking down. They couldn't handle it. Yeah, and they weren't the best either at this point. That's why you had most of it was done by people, and they were only allowed to be up there for ninety seconds, and they had to sweep this debris off the roof, and they could only be up there for ninety seconds. And at that time, they were. Um, got about 25 wrens, which is a huge amount of radiation. Could you, um, could you imagine? They, I, the guy, um, they would literally just be like, all right, a team of like 10 guys at a time or whatever. You got 90 seconds. Get up there with your shovels. Do what you can in 90 seconds and get back. Or else- they had a stopwatch. They had a stopwatch. Like, and they would tell you, all right, time's up. Get back in. You had to run back in. A lot of times people fell. He fell when he fell. His foot got caught, so he like ripped a little bit like his – suit and now he got radiation poisoning there was stuff like that but i want to get before i already get anything else pete and dan i don't know if you saw the um the radioactive water did you see that part no i didn't see anything about that so this was something this is what um really they I, the movie did show and i remember reading about it, i remember hearing about it this is what actually uh who was the premier not it wasn't boris yeltsin Gorbachev. Was he was a yeah, guy okay. and he's the one that steps in at this point because what they find out after they, they were in no disaster the world community knows this is a disaster at this point what they're finding out is that the um, steam, the water pressure is building up and they have to find a way to release this water pressure or it's going to cause a second explosion. And this second explosion is going to be massive. And they say wow. if the second explosion um, takes place, it's going to make parts of Europe, um, parts of Western Inhabitable, Europe, yes. Uninhabitable I saw that. for thousands of years. Yes. So they need yeah. to find a way to do this. As far as France. Yeah, as far yeah. as it, it would just it kill everything within an hour. It, everything's going to be dead. So yeah. you're like, what the, how we stop this from happening? And the only way to do it is they had to get people to volunteer, three men, 
a volunteer to wade through this radioactive water to go and release the valve. And it was, it was, it was more than just, you know, turning a valve. It was a lot more complicated than that. So they had these three engineers that did it and they actually all survived. Mm-hmm. The one wow. guy's name is um, Alexei um, Anarenko. He's like the most famous one that kind of led it. And they had a, they had to go through, they had to wait like waist deep in radioactive water, wearing these suits. They had to, you know, go and release this water pressure. Otherwise it was going to explode and take out Europe. It's really one of these stories that like, I'm really surprised like more people don't know about, or there's not like more, even in Russia, like there's not, not too many people know they kind of kept it under wrap, but this guy saved Europe, like and probably the world. Yeah, from I actually read about the fact that I remember now that I read about the fact that they didn't initially release that information because yeah. how close it was to literally almost turning Europe into a, a nuclear wasteland. Yeah, because it would have. That's it. Like they would, it would just be yet yeah, that you think Chern- yeah. the air of Chernobyl is bad. It would have been nothing compared to what happens if that react. If, if that, they were uh, all three, if there was that yeah. second explosion, because then everything would just be. Greetings from Evergreen Podcasts. We're rolling out a listener survey, and we want to hear from you. The information in the survey will help us gather statistics and in turn make our shows more appealing to advertisers. I know most people don't like ads, but this is one of the only ways our shows make money and help keep their lights on. We promise it will only take a few minutes, but the impact on our podcasts will be tremendous. As a token of our appreciation, we'll randomly select one lucky participant each month to win an exclusive merchandise package from Evergreen Podcasts. Head to evergreenpodcast.com slash listener survey to help a show and possibly get some free stuff for doing so. We can't thank you enough for the support. Now back to the show. No, Just all three spe- of the reactor, the other three reactors. Yeah, it, it would have made a chain reaction. They all would have exploded. Yeah. So, And they all survived. One guy just recently died, died like 2008, 2009 from a heart attack. But unrelated to radiation poisoning. Which no, those those Eastern Europeans, they're just built uh-huh. different. I know. I know <laughs> they were able to handle it. The entire thing happens, as you mentioned. It's kind of covered up. And then the cleanup starts. Um, let's talk about some of the like diseases and other things that this actually caused. You know, like the environmental as well as human and animal um, effects. Just even today, like you said, it's still giving off a lot of radiation. And the main point is this part on um, the elephant's foot. And you guys yep. can Google this, like Dan was saying before. It's basically, it looks like an elephant. It's called the elephant's foot. It's like melted. It's the core that melted. And mm-hmm. it's still radiating radiation today. This is one, you can go into parts of Chernobyl. It's kind of weird. I was watching this one quick video where the guy's like outside of it. You can see the plant where the dome mm-hmm. is now. And he's like, look, the radiation's not high. But you just go like another part and the radiation's really high. And if you actually went to the elephant's foot, which no one's ever gone, they just sent like robots and cameras down there. That if you were exposed to it for sixty seconds, it would it would kill you. You wouldn't get out of there. That's how like intense the radiation still is from that point. Um, they say another twenty thousand years before human uh, habitation. Yeah, and that elephant foot will continue um, to be dangerous like that for another one hundred thousand years. Yeah, and it's yeah. just eating through the ground it's on. So like eventually it might go through. It's just going to keep right. eating and eating and eating. Whatever the corium is that makes it up. Yeah. It's yeah just, that's a good point. If they poured concrete, they sprayed it with stuff, and it's it's not the it's not working. The concrete started to crack a couple years ago. I guess we can get into that a little bit later. But yeah, um, yeah they, also, they, they had to go fix it, and they they did not yeah. the fixing the um the fixing whatever you want to call it the containment is supposed to continue until twenty sixty five when mm-hmm. they're still working on it, and that's the crazy thing too. What I found out was this kind of made me be like, I had to double check it, was that after this reactor problem, the power plant was still functioning. Yes. The three other ones went as far up to 2000. It was the last year. 
Yeah, well, even after that, it was even after 2000. Just insane. People went to work. 2017, they were still going on. Yep. In the same complex. Yeah. Which is given up radiation. Because there was another disaster at Chernobyl in October of 1991. A fire broke out in reactor two, but they were able to um, put it down before it got crazy. And in 2017, (laughs) there was a cyber attack. Someone actually hacked into the controls and started to mess with the controls. And, um, that's when they started. We have to, we have to change this. We have to do something with this because people are, you know, computerized, were able to get into this because they just never put any like encryptions on it. So these hackers just hacked into it. So those Russian hackers, you know, they hack elections and they hack. Uh, they hack <laughs> Jesus, gotta be careful. Oh Jesus, no. But in all seriousness, like you said, there was people went to work. I mean, and they say primarily because Ukraine just was deficient in in uh, energy i mean they needed it so yeah, people yeah, just went to work that area yeah people went to work after this which is insane but kind of um so yeah so what they build to add on to that um sarcophagus right they build this huge yeah. concrete sarcophagus it kind of encased the entire reactor right and the idea as you said was to prevent radiation from spreading still inside there remain about 200 tons of radioactive fuel um so this concrete you know structure started breaking down so um, they started creating, it was just finished actually a couple of years ago, um, this like confinement structure. You guys could Google it. it it's huge. Uh, it stands on like 260 meters wide, which means it could fit a uh, Titanic, but literally the, the ship Titanic would fit widthwise. And it's like 110 meters high, which is taller than the Statue of Liberty. Um, it costs about $3 billion. And this is like this huge confinement structure that was built. It's, it's kind of cool because they build it on rails next to um the nuclear reactor four and then they slid it over the reactor and they said that this is supposed to last this confinement structure for like 100 years um before it starts to also deteriorate it's starting to crack now yep which i'm saying because the the radiation so high which is crazy that's so So, awesome it's crazy man so now um disease is caused by the event right this is when i was looking at this i'm sure you guys probably found this this was kind of insane um Thank goodness I was born in 82 and not, you know, four <laughs> years later. Uh, many doctors in Eastern Europe advise pregnant women to have abortions. Yeah, they said over 150,000 wow. happened. Yes, because there's this fear that, you know, your child's going to be born deformed and, uh, you know, you can't risk it. So, you, like you said, thousands. It's, this is crazy. So, thank goodness so, I was born before. Yeah. Belarus got hit real hard, right? That, they kind of got hard. the worst of it. Real hard. Thyroid cancer, specifically in Belarus. Um, so Belarus is a, is a smaller nation that's kind of actually between Poland and Ukraine. Um, before the Chernobyl disaster, Dan, there was under one per one per one million people would have thyroid cancer. So one per every million. And by 1995, it was 100 per every million people. So yeah, what that's called, wow. P, I'm sure you saw that, was something called the, the Chernobyl necklace. Yep. And that was that horizontal scar. That was done on the base of the neck to remove the um, the cancer on the thyroid from the mm-hmm. surgery. And he oh. said that was that was very common or you had such a huge round of case in Belarus, Ukraine, Russia, Poland during that yeah. time that it was just nicknamed. If you saw someone with that, like, oh, yeah, that, you know, that's the Chernobyl necklace. That person got thyroid cancer from that Chernobyl disaster from all that radiation. It was very common that area, part of Europe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's why I was freaked out when they had to cut up my you know thyroid stuff. What is that? A year ago? Two years ago? Scary stuff, man. Yeah. So, um, also West Germany, Down syndrome peaked right for some nine months in January of a uh, nineteen eighty seven. 
um, that people believe and scientists believe that it was related um, to um, Chernobyl, supposedly. Again, nothing is definite, but they said the peak was above. It was like 12 cases just in January of Down syndrome, which, again, unprecedented at the time. And it followed shortly thereafter um, the actual disaster. But so, again, roughly 6,000 um, cancer cases have been linked to the event, but it's hard to really specifically pinpoint that they were caused by the event. Yeah, and the because Russians will never admit to it. Like exactly. It that it caused deaths. They said, no, there's like maybe 125 total deaths linked to Chernobyl. Yeah. They're not saying – other people say, no, it's more like 900,000. Like, it's, it's that big of a difference. Yeah. And did you read that mostly children were affected the most? Um, yeah, that makes sense because it, they just their bodies can absorb that amount of radiation. Yeah, and um, mostly thyroid cancer was the biggest outbreak. Um, which is crazy though, too, because there were people who decided to stay. A lot yes, of the older people, still people live there. Yeah. yeah, in that area, yeah, the pre- it's only like it's not a lot, but yeah, it, they're not supposed to live there, but they do. That's basically what it is. Like, yeah, they when the when the army came and they were evacuating people. I guess some people have lived there for so long and just you know whether they're farming there or just living their lives, they're like. I mean, for us to leave, you're basically just going to have to shoot us and drag our bodies away because we're not going anywhere. And the government was like, all right, have a nice day. Yeah, they didn't have, they didn't have time to argue this. Because that's been the soldiers, they knew a little bit more, like somewhat what was going on. Not all of them, but somewhat. So they're like, listen, if they want us to get out of here, we have to get out of here. We're not going to stick around. So if you didn't want to leave, mm. they weren't going to they were like, try to say, we're getting out of here. Because they didn't want to be there either. True. Yeah. Because a lot of them were then when they started hearing about the radiation and they're still trying to get people to leave, they, um, a lot of them started wearing um, like lead cups because they like because they didn't want to um, like athletic cups because they didn't they didn't want like they want to make sure that they didn't um, become sterile. And stuff I saw like that they call it the egg baskets. Yeah, so they started they started wearing those and they were like making them themselves because they were like we're not we're not walking around here unless we have like protection. Wow, because there Good were call. squads put in there that had to go and shoot like the feral dogs and stuff like that like months later. They had to go in. They didn't want these dogs running away looking for food and like maybe contaminating other areas. So they had to go in there and shoot all the feral dogs and stuff, all the animals that were left behind and things like that. And talk about animals. Uh, I mean, they're saying that now it's basically a huge wildlife sanctuary. Yeah. But yeah. but there are some weird caveats to that, right? Yeah. yeah. So I'm sure you saw this. Um, it, since then, now it's an abandoned, you know, abandoned city near uh, Chernobyl, but not really abandoned in a sense because you have bears, you have foxes. I mean, literally wildlife's living there. But what they're finding is specifically in birds, um, they found a lot of different types of birds that were found with much smaller than normal brains and specifically swallows. Um, you know, they have albino uh, swallows, which is not a thing. They're only in um, and near Chernobyl. Also, deformed feet of birds, uh, tail deformed uh, tail feathers, tumors. Um, there are also some cows exhibited some like nuclear, you know, mutations near there. there. And they said animals as far away as Germany still has their fine a lot of. They actually have to in Germany when you hunt game like deer and stuff like that, well, and like boar, you have to get it tested afterwards. And the lava, if it has too uh-huh. high a level of radiation, you're not allowed to, you know, do anything with it with it because it's still contaminated you still have that there and i saw that p there's so many like the animals are messed up but it said one thing the animals that did not come back are a lot of insects did not come back back to that area particularly mm-hmm. spiders there's like virtually no spiders in that area and again it's because of the radiation they just can't survive they use like those like darker spot, spots and 
I was going to make a Spider-Man joke. I, it was going to be bad. It was going to be a dad joke. <laughs> I'm like, nuclear, spiders. I got all excited. And I yeah, was but, like, they, I but there aren't spiders there, so it wouldn't have worked. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised that the animals are doing as good as they are, though. That's what I was expecting to see some, like, two-headed frogs and stuff. But yeah, they got packs yeah, of wolves running around. And- they have wolves, but you have that, they do have wolves there. But that's the thing, too. There was, like, that fake documentary everyone think is real, like the, the wolves of Chernobyl, which is supposed to be, like, these, like, wolves that are, like, giant they're like eight yeah, feet. yeah like the game of thrones kind of thing yeah and that, that's fake there's no giant mutated wolfhound <laughs> uh-huh. around Chernobyl, and so that would be cool at some level but if they had those things run around you know they're not going to have tour buses there and going stuff like that right. it's kind of just they realize that there's no people there and they're kind of doing the trade-off they're like yeah they're getting like thyroid cancer and it's like tough living but it's a good trade-off not to have human interference that's what it is that's why they say that there's so much wildlife because they're just left alone but they like live in the buildings like it's insane it's like zootopia you know the disney cartoon (laughs) but like you know nuclear zootopia nuts Uh um so they're saying overall though uh trees right there did you hear about there's one area particular area near that it was yes they turned into a red forest because all the trees just kind of burned um through the radiation and turned red did they cut them all down and they buried them in big trenches they said or deep trenches um Still, when it comes to like diseases caused by the event, scientists are very divided. As officially, officially, all right, attributed to the Chernobyl, there is fifty deaths, uh, adult deaths, and nine children. That's essentially what is officially attributed to the Chernobyl disaster. Fifty people died plus nine children. There's this um, more, obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now. Um, there's some interesting numbers, though. So there was about 100,000 reactor staff, right, that were exposed to radiation between the three different um, reactors. There was close to 200,000 workers overall over the entire span of cleaning this up that were involved in the recovery operations. However, now it's been, you know, 20 years or so, only, it's terrible to say only, but only roughly about the 50 people or so died. So scientists are still very much divided on like, well, there's so many people like, how long will it take to see the effects of this on them? You know, well, again, it's, it's only 20 radiation years ago. Radiation is very tricky. How you yeah. can absorb it, what you're, there's so many other factors with it. Um, now, I was, when I was reading about this, that they really don't know. You can't really tell what type of, like, unless it's high level, how that radiation is going to affect a person. They might seem absolutely fine, then the next day they wake up and their hair's falling out. Or nothing, yeah. might, nothing might happen at all. It's really like a person by person basis a lot of times on how this radiation is is going to affect you. Yeah. Uh, did you see the idea of the flora and fauna? The idea that um, a lot of the plants afterwards started to thrive in the environment as well, which is weird. Uh, one particular is there's a fungus that exists. Yeah. Um, that uses radiation to produce its own energy. Like radiation is its energy source. Like you would think solar panels use sunlight. It's just crazy. You have these like nuclear yeah. mushrooms growing. They're going to they're talk one day. And they're gonna, we're going to be fighting them in probably 50 years. <laughs> it's crazy. For control of the planet. Wow. So do we, do, we have any, um, do we have any fun facts? I mean, again, this is a kind of disaster. But do we have any uh, interesting fun facts? That mushroom one just blew my mind. <laughs> <laughs> we know that there was so much nuclear radiation released in this, mm-hmm. in this disaster. But all the um, that in the fifties and sixties, the above ground nuclear weapons testing actually mm-hmm. was one thousand released one thousand times more radiation than Chernobyl did. So all wow. those nuclear tests that were going on during that time, 
that was putting more radioactive isotopes into the atmosphere than Chernobyl did. The thing is, Chernobyl was much more concentrated. It was much more in one specific area. But uh, yeah, so, I mean, this is nothing new. We've been releasing radiation in this planet for a long time. This is a disaster that it didn't happen that long ago. Like, I know you're saying you were a kid when it happened. I was a kid too, obviously. Dan, you, I don't know if you were even born. When, uh, <laughs> no, not yet. Yeah, when this took Oh, you're young and... Like, I don't remember it, remember it, but I remember hearing about it, like, afterwards and stuff like that. And um, it was this. You have Three Mile Island. That's why they kind of stopped building nuclear power plants, particularly in the United States after Three Mile Island. You didn't see any more. The Chernobyl disaster really made people scared. And then in 2011, we can't talk about Chernobyl without talking about 2011 with the uh, Fukushima. Fukushima, the second largest. Yeah, which was not as bad as Chernobyl, but it was also it was a Category Seven, and um, wow. that was just man. That was remember Japan had that and had the tsunami like within a few months of each other, I believe, and that that's still leaking radiation, and everything too. I think we should also mention, and we kind of briefly touched upon this. I guess this would be the fun fact: the idea of tourism growing yes, over yeah, the years. Yeah, yeah, like you, you could actually like plan a vacation to Chernobyl, and it's like a big like the guides go in like there. That. Yeah, you get a pass. You know, you got these guys captures with you to measure radiation. Oh, that's crazy! But you can go um, to the website, yeah, the to- well, Chernobyl tourism, and they'll tell you like how much you ch- like what each thing is that they how they how much money it costs and how to book it, and what times of day you can go. Because there's certain times when they recommend you don't go, or certain parts you can go mm-hmm. to. Basically, you you pay money to get exposed to high levels of radiation. I'm not <laughs> sure how interesting uh, that is, but again, that's that's it. Kind of shows you how Soviet Union, well, though now mm-hmm. Russia kind of changed, right? Because now you. Look, they would never do something like that. Now it's that's like capitalism, right there. They're taking a, you know an opportunity and turning mm-hmm. it to make profit. Hey, that, yeah, that's something we would do. What are they doing over yeah. there? No, I was watching not. one of the tours, and they were like, uh, they kept referring it to uh, chest X-rays. They're like, yeah. oh, so if you spend a minute here, that's how many chest X-rays it equals, or that exposure to this and that. Oh, and- wow. They said also there's a forty percent increase in tourism since the hbo uh show yeah, premiere that was huge yeah that, that, now that people are like are, and then, like people see you know selfies like hey <laughs> like it's crazy yeah which is not because uh, you think about this like it's still leaking I, I don't care like i i'm interested in this sort of stuff and like history but i'm not going to go to chernobyl and take selfies i don't know yeah. it just doesn't like appeal to me because i don't think it's safe necessarily even though people say it's safe but you never know like what if that day something the elephant's foot heats up again because it's still technically burning. That's what they say. It's not fire, but it's still technically burning. It's smoldering. It's still, like Dan was saying, it's still melting the earth around it. You want to go near this thing? I don't care how far away you are. I don't. I, I don't know. It's just well, real. you know, it is. It is illegal. It's technically, according to yeah. Uh, yeah, Ukrainian the government, government no, but they're not. They're not. They're not enforcing it. Exactly. It's illegal to live in Chernobyl. However, in a surrounding area, right? However, yeah. uh, they know for a fact, that despite that it being illegal, there's still around 140 inhabitants that, that live in these zones. And they, a lot of them do like illegal tours for, you know, YouTube. And they take that. artifacts and they sell them too. That's the one thing they're worried about too, I saw, is that they go into like certain parts and they'll remove like pieces or like things and then they'll sell these things. But the, these artifacts from Chernobyl, from that area, they're radioactive. You're going to bring back a radioactive Atari back to the United yeah, States. Yeah, so that's the thing. You're bringing back these radioactive <laughs> elements. And it's like, again, like you're going to, you're going to, you're going to try to smuggle that, like <laughs> carry it in your pocket. Like, <laughs> go ahead. Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's not probably not the smartest move. But again, it, it, that's why it's illegal because it, it's, it's going to, it can do a lot of harm. It is trippy to just see like the 1980s Soviet Union frozen in time. Like, I know, I've always known about Chernobyl. 
but again, like I would see, you know, how many people died. I was like, oh, that's terrible. People had to move. But like, until I was getting ready for this podcast and really diving into it, I didn't realize, A, like how terrible it almost really was for all of Europe. And then the the heroicism of, you know, how Tom was mentioning all the guys they threw at it who just risked their life and health to save the rest of the continent. Yeah. There's, they were told that too. Like it wasn't like the Soviets saying, we're not telling you. They told them, they, they were telling them what was going on. And the movie does a great job of this too. A lot of some of the um, people that were there the day it happened, they were put on trial. I don't remember the guy's name, but like the, he was the command, you know, commanding officer, the mm-hmm. director in charge. He was basically made a scapegoat for all of this. Yeah, they and sent him to prison, right? They sent him to prison. He was there for, I think, like 10 years. And then when he got out, he went back to working in the power plants again. Wow. And he even said at the trial, this is a farce. I know you're just going to convict me. You want to blame it on me? Blame it on me. But it, had no, it has nothing to do, you know, with me. It was the faulty design. And then there was this uh, woman. I, I can't remember her name. She... Um, she basically pressured the Soviet Union to come out and say, no, it was these rods. That was a problem because they plan on building a bunch of other reactors with the same problem. Like you can't, we'll have more Chernobyls if we keep on building it with these graphite rods. We have to spend the extra money and produce, get these, the, the different model, the different material. That's not going to, that will cool off instantly. That's not going to superheat the, the air when you put it into the water. Or the superheat the water. Oh, that's crazy. Well, Dan, thank you so much for joining us again. Thank you. My pleasure. All right, guys. Thank you so much for listening. And uh, I hope you enjoyed it. And we will see you guys next week. Take it easy. Stay safe, everybody. I hope everyone enjoyed our podcast, and if you would like to email us, you can do so at historyteacherspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Ken Harbaugh, host of Burn the Boats from Evergreen Podcasts. I interview political leaders and influencers, folks like award-winning journalist Soledad O'Brien and conservative columnist Bill Kristol about the choices they confront when failure is not an option. I won't agree with everyone I talk to but I respect anyone who believes in something enough to risk everything for it because history belongs to those willing to burn the boats. Episodes are out every other week, wherever you get your podcasts.